0: You are in the Grotto Pod. I am in the Grotto Pod, and guess who is here with me in the Grotto Pod today? Hello. If, if you guess Bridget Quinn, author, you're wrong.
1: <laughs> if I'm Bridget, then I have a very deep voice. All of a sudden, I have laryngitis. Well, the thing
0: about Bridget is today she's identifying as Lee Daniel Kravitz, author. Yes. Lee is joining me today because Bridget is off on an adventure. I believe it has something to do with Canada. Yeah. And her son.
1: Something like that. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Uh, so we're going to be doing a double header today, which mm-hmm. won't appear to you as a double header. It'll appear to you as two consecutive weeks of Lee and
1: me. That's right. And we will. Uh, we're taking you into the uh, behind the scenes of how this podcast is is thrown
0: together. Sure. Sure. Now, Here's what happens. Uh, Bridget says we we have a little calendar that we keep, and uh, I don't know if you know this, podcast listeners, but uh, BQ and I we uh, aren't around a lot. And we're often gone at different times. Mm -hmm. So we got to, uh, like, she did the Virgie Tovar by herself. I did the Paul Drexler by myself. I did the... um, Needless to say... I did one with Lori. And now, Lee is here, graciously stepping in.
1: One of the real questions is, do you feel feel like the podcasts are better when you do it solo? Mm -hmm. Or do you feel, you know, like... You know, that is a good More fulfilled. question. you have two people
0: involved. Having done 250 podcasts, That's one of it, which wow. depends. Actually, no. The other, My other podcast, Is It Good for the Jews, which we mm-hmm. should actually record an episode for since we're both Jews. Yeah,
1: we could. Um, this is basically where it's a, it's it's, it's it, a good, one.
0: It's, it's a crossover for our few crossover uh, listeners. I'm talking about you, Tori, because I know you listen <laughs> to both. Um, I did do one. I did an Is It Good for the Jews by myself once. Yeah. And it came out pretty well, but it was a little... It's frightening.
1: You know what? Seriously, like, you know, comedy duos, they need each other. Mm-hmm. Like Martin and Lewis and 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 others. Sure. <laughs> Mira and Stiller and Mira. Exactly. That's exactly right. <laughs> and it just wouldn't be the same without it. The, you know. It's
0: definitely a different vibe. A different vibe. Well, today, so we're doing a doubleheader today. And this doubleheader basically is brought to you by Vanessa Waugh. On the strength of Vanessa Waugh, we got two first-time novelists, big-time novelists. They're both
1: doing terrific.
0: Uh, not locals.
1: Yeah, we got some. We got some. Uh, first we got some blood. national,
0: yeah. uh, nationally known people. So this morning, we're going to start with um, Crystal Hanna Kim. And I hope I'm pronouncing Hana correctly. Mm-hmm. Not Hannah. It's not spelled H A N N A H.
1: What is it? H A N A. Right? H A N A.
0: That's right. Uh, she is the author of "If You Leave Me." Uh, by, uh, which was released by William Morrow Harper Collins, which are all huge names that I will never sniff. How about you?
1: <laughs> well, I've uh, yeah, my books come out through Harper Collins. Oh, yeah, so there you go. Yeah. Uh, and
0: don't let me uh, let this intro end without me asking you a question. Just So if I start okay. ending, say, hey, what was that question you were going to ask me? No, you got it. Uh, so anyways, uh, If You Leave Me was recently released to pretty universally.
1: Yeah, some good good acclaim. It's getting out there.
0: Yeah, I just finished it yesterday, and i got to say it is ambitious. It is sprawling. It is epic, and it is darn good.
1: Yeah, I mean, you walked up to me earlier today, and we're just like, "Wow, this is far better than I even thought it was going to be." Yeah, it
0: kept me up till twelve thirty last night, which was wow.
1: And you're pretty old, so like, I'm pretty old old. because I'm guaranteed to wake up at seven no matter what. That's right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's a real. um, I don't want to give away too much before she gets here, but it's a family saga. Um, It's a love triangle, and. and and it's also set against a backdrop of cultural change,
1: which is wonderful these days. I mean, well, I'm sure we'll talk about you know what she's seeing in the world, happening in the mm-hmm. world right now, and how you know cultures are kind of being weeded out of the the you know the national conversation and, and the national fabric of, of of America. It feels like
0: um, you know, and there and it's interesting to look at it that from ang- that angle because one thing that is present in this book is. I don't want to say the intrusion, but the evolution of Western culture into yeah. Korea. At first, you know, it's, it's this weird, far-off, whatever, Americans. And by the end, it's pretty much integrated.
1: It is, it is fascinating. To, to I can't wait to talk to her about it. Yeah.
0: And another thing I'm going to talk to you about is audacity, because I think I used that <laughs> word to you, that someone <laughs> yeah. who's young, yeah, who's a first-time right. novelist— would have the gumption to take on something like this. This is, it is yeah. no trifle. It is no trifling matter. Uh, she has also... Uh, well, perhaps one of the issues... She's got an MFA from Columbia, my oh, friend. Yeah. That so is a pretty big time. Kind of amateur.
1: I don't know. Yeah,
0: lightweight. Uh, she has received a Pan America short story prize for emerging writers. She has published in the Washington Post, Literary Hub, and Nylon. And, and this is another thing I want to uh, bring up. She has... Um, an MFA from Columbia, but also a master's in education from Hunter College, and she has oh. been teaching. Um, she taught was in the Teach for America program, and now she is the director of writing instruction for Leadership Enterprise for a Diverse America. I think the thing is called Leadership Enterprise for a Diverse.
1: That America. is great. Listen, we all need secondary jobs/slash incomes to help fund us. So. Yeah. Uh, but I also want to know how that informs her writing. Yep, that's and a great how question. it
0: impacts her schedule and her process. And you know what? I found this too. She also. I, it was easy to find. It was on her LinkedIn page. She was at one time an unsolicited manuscripts reader for the New Yorker.
1: Oh wow! What Isn't a that thing. crazy? He's crazy, and that I that I would love to learn about because, frankly, I mean, literally, all you have to do if you're an unsolicited manuscripts uh, you know editor is just keep the wastebasket right next to your knees and flush pile. Much, that's what it yeah. is. Right? And
0: that to me, that's like the classic. I am a New York I'm a young New York kid just out of school. Try right. to break into writing. That's and, the job. And,
1: uh, try not to get disillusioned by the whole process <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah so um, I'm actually I just saw right with first novels. was eagerly anticipated. I think that I meant to say that people were waiting for it before it came out. Um, she should be here any moment yes. What was the question I wanted to ask you? I don't know but you were asking. Lee, a question. you are switching gears. we got a little more time here. I want to get a, just kind of a little bit into this. Yeah. You are switching gears. You are a nonfiction writer who is now working on a novel.
1: Yeah How, yeah, yeah, How are
0: those muscles, man?
1: Well, I'll tell you, they're they're getting into shape. It's a totally different process. Yes. This might be a, a fodder for another podcast at some point, but like going from one to the other, it's like learning a whole new language. But, but this me, is what you were trained to do, right? This, was, this is what I was trained to do, mm-hmm. and... It's sort of like dusting off the the cobwebs and actually like but employing a lot of these these skills that I haven't had a chance to really really do yeah. in this way. And it's been it's been a process, but it's been awesome. How like far into it are you? Second draft. Oh, okay. Is, second draft, which really means that the book is, you know, really starting to come together now. First draft is basically the skeleton. Mm-hmm. And then the second draft is muscles, and then the <laughs> and third, skin, and then skin comes on third draft, and then we'll see what happens. But it's uh, it's it's been great. It's been really great, and. Uh, I uh, kind of don't ever want to leave this space, this headspace.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. You get into that deal where you're just thinking about these characters all the time, and it's almost like they're hanging out with you.
1: Oh, hanging out with me, keeping me up at night. Yeah. You yeah. know, you um, can't think about anything else, and it's...
0: Good good for a father of young children. Oh, let me that, tell you, like, being completely
1: issue. distracted around uh, five and a seven-year-old, forget it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. All
0: right. So we are going to get out of here now, and we're going to go get our guest, Crystal Hana Kim. Mm-hmm. Crystal, welcome to the Grotto Pod.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you for including us. So just to start out, give us an idea of the whirlwind tour you are presently involved in.
2: Yes. Well, as a debut writer, it's so exciting. I've been in, I'm based out of Brooklyn, so Mm -hmm. I've been doing Another,
1: there's very few Brooklyn writers.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I've I've heard this. We're a rare breed. Very rare.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, Brooklyn is the new Oakland. I've heard that. yeah, yeah, I've heard that too. (laughs) I've heard it the other way around. But yeah, so what's on the agenda for you?
2: Yeah, so I've been in, I've been doing events in New York, Chicago, D.C., and now San Francisco. I'm going back to New York to do an event in Westchester and then... Going to North Carolina mm. for a literary festival, and then I, there's just a bunch of other stops: Philly, Harrisburg.
1: Oh my God, this is wonderful! And you know, it's yeah. it's really rare. Like I came from a uh, book publicity background before oh. I started on the other side of the of the fence, yeah. and. It's rare that you actually have – you you get a tour through the, the publisher. Yeah. A lot of times what winds up happening is the author has to kind of engineer his or her own sort of, mm. you know, tour. Mm-hmm. And uh, it sounds like you've been set up really, really nicely.
2: I have an incredible publicist. Sharon, yeah, thank you. You're <laughs> getting, you rock. To. And you're
0: getting all the bells and whistles. And that's oh. – it's your publicist, but is it also the publisher
2: Yes, I think so. I mean, I have a really wonderful team. I mean, everything is new to me, so I don't know what is.
1: Yeah, what's what's standard standard and what's not. Oh, so what's great, okay, so (laughs) as a publicist, you know, I would sit down with my authors and I would sit down and say, Hey, congratulations on getting your book published. This must be a really exciting time for you. Mm-hmm. And the, and so this is what you can expect. And then there's crickets because you can't really expect anything. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's it's really wonderful. And it just speaks to the book itself. I mean, it's it's thank it's you. timely, it's beautiful, thank it's you. um, obviously you've done a really great job with it. So, thank you. Yeah, in fact, <clears throat> I was we were just kind of killing
0: time before mm-hmm. you got here because we're both working on novels right now mm-hmm. and Lee, we've both written a lot of nonfiction, mm-hmm. and i was talking about how hard it is to remember all the details
2: yes
0: and yes. you took on something pretty epic in every definition of the word i mean it's a <laughs> sprawling saga it's a family mm-hmm. saga it covers generations it covers decades it has how many points of view five five yeah, five, five points of view I guess off the top of my head, my question is, what possessed you to have both the audacity and the confidence to take on this sort of project as your first novel?
2: I think it goes back to this idea of me not knowing what the, you know, like norm or standards are. I just, this is, I love long, sprawling novels, and I love novels that have multiple perspectives. So I was immediately drawn to that. And I think that the more I wrote about Hemi, the main character, the more I realized I needed to then explore the two men in her life, Chisu and Kyungwan. And then that meant that I also wanted to explore her younger brother's perspective mm. because I wanted a male perspective that was not romantically involved with her.
0: Did you find that it was easier or harder to get in the heads of these characters by using their point of view rather than just using close third person
2: i thought it was easier you know i love novels where you feel so connected to the characters where where you feel like you know them very well mm-hmm. and that was my main goal with this novel for for readers to feel like they understand where these characters are coming from and want to even argue with them sometimes or want to talk to them you know feel that kind of kinship mm-hmm. and so I I love writing in first person. I just think it gets mm-hmm. me closer to the characters and hopefully that means the readers will get closer too.
1: That's wonderful. And then on top of that, not only are you you know dealing with these five different points of view, but outside of writing this, you mm-hmm. are also wearing multiple hats and multiple points of views as well. Yeah. So you're, you're teaching. Is that right?
2: Yes, I am. So I teach for a – so I'm, a, I'm the director of writing instruction for a nonprofit called Leadership Enterprise for Diverse America. And it's an incredible nonprofit that I love. We help low-income high school students from all over the United States – most of whom want to be the first in their family to go to college. Yeah, get ready for that process.
1: That is terrific. There's a great organization here mm-hmm. called Scholar Match, and oh. it's through. Oh yeah, yeah, and I've worked a little bit with it too. And it's uh, Dave Eggers, uh, the mm-hmm. the writer, uh, started Eight Two Six Valencia. Yeah, I this is that. sort of his sort of next project, and it's all under the Eight Two Six Valencia umbrella. And it's the idea that first genera- or the first kids to go on to college within their families. Um, a lot of times, there's like an income gap, yes. or there's like a scholarship gap, yes. and there's like you know they get some money, but there's like five or ten thousand dollars that they still don't get. Mm-hmm. So scholar match kind of helps. Well, one, they help prepare the kids to go to college, and two, help fundraise to get that money for them to go.
2: That's amazing. And so it's, it's it's a terrific yeah.
1: organization. And so, how did you get involved with something like this?
2: Well. I always say that, you know, like the two main passions that I have are writing and teaching. Mm-hmm. So after I always wrote as a kid, I loved writing. But when I was in college, I just thought that I didn't know what it meant to become a writer. I didn't know what avenue to take. And I thought that deciding to be a writer felt too risky. Yeah. Mm. You know, I have Korean American Korean immigrant parents. They wanted me to do something stable. And um, what so did they want you to do. They – well, they never actually wanted me to be a doctor, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> because they knew i just not that great at science. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's the medical stuff I couldn't get into. Guy. Otherwise, I'd be a great doctor. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah and It's
0: just the math and science it's part. Right. <laughs> um, if I could interject here, yeah. the thing that I think is notable, and then get back to, to where you're at in your story, mm-hmm. a lot of writers teach. Mm-hmm. But not a lot of writers pursue teaching parallel with pursuing writing. Yeah. It ends up something that they do. Yeah. So I'm curious – go back to telling how this happened but also when you get done with that let's get back to how it informs how you write
2: yes yes definitely well i i love teaching and so after graduating i joined teach for america Mm -hmm. and that's because i i thought that this would be something valuable it's a little steadier and though i loved writing i just wasn't sure if i could take that on. For yeah. any
0: listeners who don't know what Teach for America mm-hmm. is, can you explain it a little bit?
2: Yeah, it's it's a it's an AmeriCorps organization that places college graduates in areas of high need uh, that need t- uh, public school teachers. Mm-hmm. So I ended up teaching in Brooklyn and Bedford-Stuyvesant, where Biggie's from. Yeah, <laughs> that's right.
1: bed <laughs> stuy so, Yeah, bed
2: yeah. So I taught there for two years, and that's when I really fell in love with teaching and realized that it is equally as important to me at, with as writing yeah um but i found out that i actually i thought that i could teach and write at the same time and i couldn't it was so oh.
0: exhausting. and you aren't teaching college students
2: right now ever right? no so i actually so then after teach for america i got an mfa mm-hmm. at columbia and while doing that i taught
0: college okay students. you did teach college yes. students man yeah they, that's a gonna, real different game.
2: Oh, my gosh, yeah. I was teaching. I taught first grade and second grade, and huh. then I taught college freshmen. <laughs> Very different. Yeah, which ones
1: are the most immature? Because I have I mean, a... Sometimes. Well, yeah. There's
2: a lot of similarities.
1: There are. There, it's yeah. a little like the, 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 the neediness. I'm not even sure, yes. like, college freshmen. When I was a college freshman, I don't even know if I could tie my shoes yet. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I had to be taught. You know,
0: John Wooden used to teach... His athletes how to tie their shoes. Really? First practice. Yeah, really he would not. teach you how to tie your shoes. Um, <laughs> did, did you find any classroom management tools that could apply to both?
2: Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. So Taking away milk or you know cookies.
1: Recess is definitely key. Recess is
2: you know, oh. nap time. Yeah.
1: Nap time. Oh, that's important. actually you know what I appreciate nap time a hell of a lot more now than I did when I was in kindergarten.
0: You give it another this ten years, time. you really will. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you, so proximity.
2: Proximity, circulating the classroom, calling on people, um, positive reinforcement. Yeah, yeah. yeah I guess those, those would be things, universal. Yes, it works with college students very well. <laughs>
0: very, very nice. Tell me about the point though, where you decided you were just going to go for it, writing wise, and mm-hmm. get that MFA.
2: I, you know, I okay. So before I graduated undergrad, mm-hmm. I had this, I had this conversation with a friend of mine on the steps, which is like where everybody hangs out on Columbia, yeah. and. I told her that I wanted to be a writer, but I was too scared. And she said, "You know what? After you do Teach for America after two years, if you still want to do it, you should commit." So you and kept
0: it in the back of your mind. Yes,
2: I, and I really did. And I don't think I would have, I, I don't think I would have even um, made that decision if it wasn't for that conversation. But having someone else believe that I could do it was so critical. And so after the two years, I decided, you know, I still want to write, and that's when I applied for my MFA.
0: And was there any blowback from your parents at that point? Or did you say, I can no. always teach?
2: Yeah. I think they they trusted me, and they, they know that I've loved writing since a young age, and I think that they, they knew that if I was going to do it, I was going to do it anyway, so mm-hmm.
1: they supported me. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, I'm including Strong. you as a courtesy, mom yeah. and dad, but... Uh,
0: Strong-willed, like a few of your characters.
2: Yes, yes, exactly.
0: Um, plus I figure once your kids already got that Columbia degree, you've succeeded.
2: They they were happy. Yeah. You know. Yeah.
1: Well, I the, M, and the MFA program out there is terrific. I mean, Gary Steingart's out there mm. and, um.
2: Deborah Eisenberg. It's
1: right. I mean, that's yeah. a, that's a top Richard notch program. Ford, yeah. Richard Ford. Richard Ford. That's how you got that blurb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's a
2: great mentor of mine,
1: actually. Wow. That's Richard, awesome. You know, I, He's uh, wonderful. So I'll tell you, this is sort of a tangent, but we can do that because it's a podcast. But I've pretty much stepped on, every, literally, not just figuratively, but I've stepped on everybody you just mentioned, their toes. I was in a... Uh,
0: you were in a dance class I was in pretty,
1: Might as well have been. I was in a stairwell going from one conference oh. to another, and they were all there, mm-hmm. and everyone took a mighty step backward on the staircase, and I wound up tripling, tripping over
2: oh, Richard no. Ford's foot, Gary <laughs>
1: Steingart's foot. Um, I'm sure, pretty sure uh, Philip Roth was there somewhere. I may have pushed him down the stairs. Yeah. It was awesome. But uh,
0: I think a lot of people wanted them. to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but so where does teaching stand out? You're working for, for the nonprofit. Yes, Lita. So Teaching will remain a part of your life. Now can you balance them?
2: Most definitely, yes. I think that um, I really like having this other part of my brain activated. And, you know, again, as a new writer, the whole publishing process is kind of overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think, easy to compare yourself with other writers or to want more and more or to have your goals, like, be a moving goalpost. Mm -hmm. Uh, But so I think that having teaching Lita and working with these incredible high school students that are so motivated grounds me
1: can I tell you there's something really wonderful about that I mean we all in some way like a lot of the writers that we work with and know and have come through here and even I think in our own our own heads it's like you know will we have this dream of you know uh, the next novel will be the big one mm-hmm. or it'll kind of take us to the next level but I always find that like and everybody says this too like if you, if you treat it like a job and you stay grounded and you just keep your you know, your focus on your goal, you're gonna get there. And you know, the becoming that big, famous, huge, you know, sort of name isn't necessarily the goal at that point. It's just right. yeah. to do good work and do it well and hopefully people will find you. Yeah. Um, and
2: impact readers. Mm-hmm.
1: That's actually the biggest part yeah. too. It's like you yeah. want yeah, people to really kind of grapple with the story mm-hmm. and enjoy the story and be moved at least a little bit from it. Yeah. Hopefully even now, a little bit. Of
0: course, explaining to your nine to five spouse
1: yeah. mm-hmm. that
0: you wrote a column that made people cry, but you got paid 50 bucks for it.
1: <laughs> so now you're crying at the same time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: What about nuts and bolts though? I, I'm assuming that your teaching job isn't a standard nine to five no. teaching job. So how do you, how do you manage your time allotments? Now That's it's probably like, a bad time to ask because you're in a whirlwind tour. Yeah, right
2: now it's very hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I, I'm one of those people that I think that I'm better with time. I manage time better when I have a lot to do, because, and I think this is the case for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, when yeah. you have when you have long stretches without many um, responsibilities, I tend to waste it and just be lazy and slow. But because I have, I'm balancing balancing so much, I try to be really efficient with my time, and I usually do my Lita work in the morning mm-hmm. because I don't like to write in the mornings. And then I take a little break, and then I'll write. Okay.
0: How much time are you in a classroom?
2: So this is the, this is the cool thing about LIDA. For two months over the summer, we're at on Princeton University's campus. Mm-hmm. And they fly out. I don't know if Princeton does it, but LIDA flies out 100 students every year to Princeton. And it's two months in person, and that's what I'm teaching. And then the rest of the year, it's all online oh okay Which is great. that's because great because then i can you, you don't do have this to. i can go on my book tour i can mm-hmm. do you know i can balance both
1: that's really the trick right to have like a schedule put a, something together where you have time to do both i yeah. think it makes a lot of sense yeah that's wonderful so are you finding time to to get back to writing right now or do you have
2: I i started a second novel congratulations thank you it's weird though being in a new world when i'm so actively talking about, if you leave me. Yeah. So that's been a little hard. Just wait
1: till the paperback comes out and you're like a year out from the story. Yeah. And then you're going to be like, oh wait, I'm going to have to go back into that world. And I'm already with another foot in another book. That would be hard. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: It's good. <laughs> <laughs> <can understand>. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess I'll, I'll dive into this
0: now then. How about writing that second book with the weight of expectations after the first book. Uh, maybe weight's not the right word, but how does that change the way you're approaching the second book?
2: I don't... I'm not sure yet. I mean, everyone tells you that the first book is special because...
0: It's a book you've been waiting your whole life to write.
2: Yes. So it is kind of daunting because I feel like I put everything mm-hmm. into right. this first book.
0: You put book. a lot into this book.
2: Yeah, I try to... Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I put everything, you know, with the characters, uh, the Korean War, history... Motherhood, mm-hmm. the role of women during this time, I and very touched. subtly, yeah,
0: the unstoppable wheels of progress.
2: Yes, yes, and they're
0: back there. And,
2: yeah, modernization, mm-hmm.
0: westernization.
2: So I put all of that in. I think that. So it is kind of daunting to start something new, but I'm, I'm like itching to to create a new world and get to know some other characters. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We're gonna go back to the old world now. Yeah. Because I am dying to know. Yeah. So I read that the origins, I think it was an interview, the origins of this uh, book, was it short stories you had written, interconnected yes. stories? Yeah. And And I sort of heard a little bit of this tale, but I want you to tell it again. What first got you interested in the monumental task of writing a historic novel mm-hmm. about this time period?
2: Well, when I... When I was in my MFA program, I was too scared to write the novel. I thought that a novel—I I just felt like I don't know even how to how I would approach.
0: Had it. you tried the before novel. any novel? No, just short stories. Yes. Yeah, I totally can relate.
2: Like you know, plot. I just thought oh. it'd be way too difficult. I
1: need a graph or something. Right. <laughs> plot, characters, dialogue. You Remember would you stuff. Even Why would you really want to even do that? Yeah. No, it's okay. Yeah.
2: So I actually started writing during the MFA an uh, in interconnected short story collection. And I wrote a chapter uh, I wrote a short story that actually is now a chapter in the book from a young girl's perspective when her Estranged uncle comes to town, and when I by writing that story, I got interested in her parents' mm-hmm. story and and what their history was. So then I kind of worked backwards, yeah, and that's how I created my main character Hemi. And so when it was an interconnected short story collection, I knew that it was taking place during the Korean War, but it was a little nebulous. Mm-hmm. And when I decided to write the Korean War, it was because I grew up very i'm very close with my maternal grandmother and she survived the korean war and she was a teenage refugee when wow. she was 14 when the korean war began and all four of my grandparents survived the korean war but my maternal grandmother and i are just really close and mm-hmm. she would tell me all these terrifying very vivid stories of how she and her widowed mother had to flee their home because of the invading troops and how hungry they were and how the first time she saw an army tank roll through she had, you know she hid under like a large pumpkin leaf oh
1: wow because
2: and then she was she tell me this story laughing saying what would that pumpkin leaf do you know that would not <coughs> protect me but she was just so something you know, nothing logical alarmed, and high, right right yeah. that she didn't know what to do besides hide mm-hmm. so, and so those stories really stayed with me and once i decided i'm ready to write a novel I knew that I wanted to write about the country. And Korean bits and War.
1: pieces that were all there. I yeah. think it makes sense.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and at some point, the story becomes less about you and your experiences and more takes on a life of its own. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a novel. Yeah.
0: But you can definitely see where that is the story that you had been thinking about.
2: Yes. I have been thinking about it for years, mm-hmm. really, especially, you know, growing up in America, growing up in New York— uh, My family is very culturally steeped in Korean tradition. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, we speak Korean at home, eat Korean food, celebrate Korean holidays. Mm -hmm. And then having this huge part of my identity be Korean, but then when I'm in school, my classmates and peers would not know where Korea was on the map. Or tell me like there is no Korea. I remember someone said that to me.
1: He said there's no Korea. Yeah,
2: I mean, he yeah. was a young, I mean, right, right, young. Right, right, but still, right, right. Still, he was like, you have to be either Chinese or Japanese.
1: Oh, oh. <laughs> I just, I just really, I get that. I mean, I think probably you and I pro- would yeah, probably understand that Yeah, I was just thinking too. there is no Israel. Yeah. yeah, there's no Israel. There's no. I mean, so I mean, I, we've talked yeah. about this. I grew up in Texas, where there's very few, in an area where there were very few Jews, mm-hmm. and I was in Orange County where they were. We were all hiding. Hiding mm-hmm. exactly. So it's it's you know it's 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 hard to kind. Grew up in, a, in an environment where you feel very in touch with your your cultural identity, but yes. nobody o- understands who you are, what you come from, or has that sort of point of view at all.
0: But yeah. you don't write; th- it's not the novel of otherness.
2: No, so it, no. It's not. It's not, a, it's not, a, it's not a the Korean American novel. No, it's definitely a Korean novel because I wanted to write about this period in history. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to write it in English for an American audience because the Korean War is called the Forgotten War here. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's something that I think the Korean War is not part of our cultural consciousness. Yeah, even
0: MASH is actually about Vietnam, not Korea. Right. right. And it's,
2: so, and I really wanted to write about a woman because I think that war narratives are always about men, are so often about men in battle. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to write about a woman's story, about what happens when a woman is traumatized by war and
0: did this did you have this in mind while you were writing the short stories or did that come together afterwards because i had this sense when when i read that you had started by writing short stories i thought oh great that's how you get to know the characters right mm-hmm. and then you got yeah. these characters and then you can build a narrative around them yeah. but did you have all of these goals in mind when you were writing the short stories no
2: i was i think i at that point, it was really getting to know these characters. The Korean War was much more nebulous and in the background during that period, mm-hmm. During the, when I was writing the short stories. And then when I committed, that's when I realized I need to include more about the Korean War and make it vivid for the reader. And
0: how much time did you have to spend researching? Because there are so many details. So much. I mean, (laughs) it couldn't have all come from your grandmother. (laughs) No.
2: No, so I spent a lot of time. Also, the novel starts in 1951, but it goes all the way to 1967. Yeah. And I really, I'm also interested in what happens after, well, the the Korean War never ended, but what happens in the aftermath. Hmm. And Korea itself had to rebuild completely and there's so many different things that are happening politically especially. that i
0: had no idea about
2: right yeah exactly. it was so, upheaval yes it was did you know this it was constant upheaval into well, the, the 60s it was a forgotten
0: war
1: and yeah. uh, i knew I, I i wasn't even around to forget it neither was she yes yeah, I
2: mean,
1: <laughs> so i mean that's really it you're, you're recreating something that you weren't a part of but yeah. yet your, your family and your history was so in some yeah. ways it's sort of in your blood yeah. um it's it's neat do you feel closer to the culture now yeah, I do. I mean, just knowing the history as well I, as you do.
2: I because I did a lot of research. I interviewed my grandmother and aunts and uncles. Yeah, but I also just did a lot of reading and looking at photographs.
0: I thought you movies. would have had to dive into some history books oh, for most this. Yeah.
2: yeah, it was so much work. You know, so again, I didn't realize what I had chewed off, or what is that phrase? You know, a bitten off more bit yeah. than yeah. you could chew. Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> <I'm>, go ahead. <laughs> I was just. I mean, Korea in general has it's 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 a, it's a topic. It's sort of an evergreen topic.
2: Mm-hmm. because
1: i mean korea continues to come up over and over yes. and over again oh yeah yeah you know especially right now, these days especially. i mean right so i don't know i think that the, i don't know there's a universalness to it
2: mm-hmm. i think especially now it was weird because i was in korea in april visiting my family and yeah. traveling around and it was so strange being there because i knew my book was about to come out soon and i hadn't been back in a couple of years so seeing the country and seeing the places I had written about oh, yeah. and thinking about my novel.
0: And picturing your characters who don't actually exist yes. there.
2: Yes. <laughs> and then at the same time, it was a couple of... I was there when on the news, everyone was talking about the Inter-Korea Summit because mm-hmm. Kim Jong-un was going to meet the South Korean president. And so I decided to go to the DMC a couple of days before that because I would never been before yeah. and I wanted to see the DMZ for myself and being able to go and see this line. They were preparing for the meeting too. So there was a lot of like news cameras around and a lot of people talking about the history and then watching the inter korea Summit with my grandmother. It was just a really special time to be there because... I mean, I can imagine. yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people from my grandmother's generation really want reunification. Yeah. Because they were born into... Korea when it was one country.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, Is there a lot of incredible. hope there?
1: Do they think it's going to happen?
2: It's It was so interesting because they were very hopeful. Yeah. And people were talking about reunification. My grandmother was crying. And then at the same time, I was reading the American news. And yeah, everyone was incredibly skeptical and, and critical and negative. Yeah. So it was very strange, the tone and attitude towards... That the is, the there's, there's
1: hope there, but here
0: there's skepticism. There
2: was so much skepticism. Well, we also yeah.
0: have... We don't know... I mean, how many people are still alive who remember what it was like before, and Barney. how invested are we in that?
1: Well, I think there's...
2: I mean,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I would be hopeful, too. I think just, yeah. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're sort of in a, a, a close in like a society cold. right yeah. now. It's, uh, you know... We, we, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, so, what... I mean, how did you weigh weaving all of Mm -hmm. these big issues into this very close and personal story for these three, four, five characters.
2: Five, yeah. Five characters because there's also... Because there's the other three girls, yeah. Yeah. I think the novel kept growing the more I wrote. So it's not necessarily that I started off thinking I'm going to write a huge epic historical novel. But it just kept growing, and I think that... By working on short stories for two three years, I was ready to take on the challenge. Mm-hmm. And I thought that for the best way to write about this tumultuous time in Korea's history was through characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I don't like novels where they they are obviously trying to teach you, mm-hmm. you know, and they have like paragraphs of
1: history, History, history. And, and they're trying to point you to things. Like that. Yeah, <laughs> I
2: don't. I personally just don't like that type of.
0: I so, think, you know. not to blow smoke, but I, I think you did a great job because it wasn't until the last third of the book where I started realizing, like, oh, they're going to sleep on Western beds now. Yeah, like, right. Oh, they're, they're, now they're just – it's sort of a matter of course that the young women are dressed in Western mm-hmm. clothes, whereas before it was outrageous. Nobody yeah. would be.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I wanted to really it do it on you. through the characters' perspectives and – have, have the reader learn very slowly what that mm-hmm. change looked like for the country and for the government, culturally, the clothes, the food. Right.
0: Yeah. And at what point did you realize that was going to be a big issue, that you had chosen the exact right period yeah. of time in Korea yeah. for during the course of someone who's not even middle-aged lifetime mm-hmm. for them to seem like they're wedded to the old ways?
2: Uh, so uh, something that's so fascinating to me is my grandmother... She grew up, um, again, during the Korean War, where she was completely impoverished. And now she has a cell phone and sends me selfies all the time. (laughs) And so that idea of like the technological change was really fascinating to me. And then I also remember a distinct story of my grandmother, uh, my mother, telling me uh, that her house was the first in their neighborhood to get a flushing toilet. Yeah. Which is kind of, you know, Yeah. Here and your mother's probably, well, she's that, your
0: mother's probably my age.
2: Yeah, she was born in 1959.
0: Okay, she's um, 6 years older than me. <laughs> <laughs> You're so getting <good laughs> Because you. your grandmother's my father's age? But, <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know, she um in here yeah. we've had obviously flushing toilets for ages, but there so that idea of her um, getting a flushing toilet and that was something to brag about and people mm-hmm. came over to her house when she was a kid to try it. Wow. Yeah, and so yeah. Just like the technological change that happened from my mother's childhood to now. So I always knew I wanted to write about that change because it happened so quickly. It
1: is pretty wild. I mean, you have – I mean, it's funny. I did, I was, the island nation of Fiji. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right? Did not get their first television until 1996. Wow. Wow. Which is shocking. But if you look at, like, what that did to open up culture and the world around them. In a good, in a, in a good and a bad way. Yeah. Right.
2: Because I remember
0: in 87, mm-hmm. traveling to Australia and people were going to Fiji because it was this unspoiled paradise. Right, oh. exactly.
1: So now, I mean, now, well, the bad is that there's eating disorders like you wouldn't believe because mm. people are watching TV.
2: That's so It's really
1: wild. But, yeah. you know, but also there is, you know, all kinds of uh, a blending of cultures and mm-hmm. modernism that's just sort of happening in this place. Mm. So you can watch it happen very, very fast. Yeah. And this is happening within a single generation and you know yes. in korea and do you yeah. feel like do you feel like you're choosing sides at all when it comes to modernization
0: in this book
2: um i try to make i try to have the characters have have different opinions about modernization and how they see their country changing and you know korea's relationship with the united states and japan because i wanted to have the reader choose for themselves what they what they thought regarding like whether or not Modernization is positive. Modernization versus Westernization, mm-hmm, and yep. obviously it's so complicated. There's no good or bad. But the thing is,
1: it's wonderful. That you don't actually have to choose it. You're just showing. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's what you're talking about. Also, you don't just talk, you should talk about the history. You're actually showing it through the characters' points of view. Yeah. Otherwise, there's no, um, there's no reason to get invested in Maybe. the history. It doesn't mean anything unless it's through somebody's point of view.
2: Right. I think that that's the beauty of fiction. Right. You get really. You can empathize, mm-hmm. and you can imagine, and you can feel. You know, it appeals to your emotions, and that's what I love, and that's how I. I would rather learn something through characters and. Oh, yeah. Read, you know, history books. Pair. Yeah. Even though yeah. no, I had to do a lot of
1: that. <laughs> I'm <laughs> well, sure. You, you saved us a lot of, of pain. Yeah, and thank heart, you. Thank <laughs> you. So
0: thank you. We got it spoon fed. Yeah. Um, so we've talked about the big issues. Let's go into more of the smaller issues yeah. of this, this love triangle. Mm-hmm. And where did you get that story from?
2: I love, I mean.
0: You love love triangles? No, <laughs>
2: love triangles love relationships, romantic and sexual relationships. Those are you know universal and timeless and when i started writing this novel i told i was talking to a mentor of mine who's a man and i said i'm worried that if i write this as a young woman it's going to be uh considered you know in a in a certain way you know what i mean like as just a romance like a beach read or something yeah yeah, something like that you know but he just told me love is universal. Like all the greatest novels are mm-hmm. about love, Anna Karenina, and, mm-hmm. and so he reassured me. But I wanted, I wanted. So Hemi is sixteen in the beginning of the novel, and she's a refugee, and she has very few options because she, her mother is a widow, and her younger brother is ill, and they have no money, and sh- she's not educated. So. Just thinking about Hemi, I wanted her to be really independent and have desires, but also wanted this novel to feel very realistic. Mm-hmm. And the only option she would have is To is marry up. Marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really the only thing that's available to her.
0: I'm having a hard time because I don't want to give too much away yeah, I know. <laughs> about the book, but it's a little prickly, too. Mm-hmm. And she's a little prickly.
2: Yeah. And yeah.
0: she's very disappointed.
2: Yes. Yes, because – well, I wanted her to be this really complicated woman that you want to – you're rooting for, but you're also frustrated with her, but mm-hmm. you understand Yeah, why. you definitely accomplish that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: And at the beginning, she seems like the type of young girl that men would notice and fall in love with. Mm-hmm. She's wild a little bit, you know, yeah. and she's full of life.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And gradually –
2: it's kind of like tampered, uh, mm-hmm. tamped down. So I really wanted the, I wanted her voice and character to change through the 16 years, right? So I think that, you know, in the beginning, they're all kind of reckless and they're teenagers. Yeah. And even though the Korean War is happening, daily life is still going on. And-
0: how did you learn about how much was at stake I want to put this right. I was just <laughs> constantly surprised by, like, like the the one guy would bring—he had a date, mm-hmm. and she was afraid to come into his apartment because, mm-hmm. said, oh, my landlady. Like, where's your landlady, Care. Like, how did oh, you yeah. know that stuff, that you couldn't bring a woman back to him because your landlady would judge yes. you? Yeah.
2: Well, there's just a lot of strict social, you know, conventions in Korea. Yeah, but
0: on their own, those guys got as down and dirty as anybody. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's a lot of— um What's it called? Propriety and just making mm-hmm. sure that others don't see or yeah. view you in certain ways. I did, I mean, I did a lot of – a lot of that was just from sto- growing up, hearing stories mm-hmm. from my parents, uncles, aunts. I come from a family of chatty storytellers. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's great. So, yeah.
1: You know, it's interesting. Considering that you've had – such doubt and, and reservation mm-hmm. about being able to pull this off. And yet you come from, uh, like this family of storytellers. Yeah. It sounds like you were always there. Always, almost, almost there.
2: I've always loved writing. Yeah. I think I just needed to feel ready.
1: Do you think like this process now that moving forward is going to be a lot easier for you? or Do you still, uh, attack, you know, attack this with, with reservation?
2: I think it's, I think it will be easier for me. I think yeah. that, you know, cause I've done it and I know I can write a novel, um, Yes, I think that yeah. it will be easier for me. I just think the—I know these characters so well. I love Hemi and Jisoo and kyung my yeah. And, you know, it's your first book. I think that'll always hold a special place.
0: Did you know how it was going to end?
2: I knew fairly early on, yes, how it was going to end.
0: Were you rooting for either suitor? Y-
2: yes, I was. But I don't want to say because I feel like it's going to— You don't want to give away too much. No, we can here. say that
0: afterwards. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I was, but I also wanted to be really complicated in that. You know, I I wanted it to be I didn't want it to just be a clear cut good guy versus mm-hmm. bad guy or
1: Yeah. you know. everybody sort of has double yeah, they're three dimensional in that way. Yeah. I Although mean, there no were some
0: there were some challenges um, culturally because is it Jisoo? Mhm. there's ways he conducts himself mm-hmm. that I'm sure are normal for the time.
2: Yeah. Yes.
0: That reading, now you go, come on, man. Like, why would she put up with that? Yeah.
2: No, but it, it was normal for them. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, it, it sort of blows my mind to hear you talk about being sort of cowed by the idea of writing a novel, because if that was the case, you could have written a nice 250-page simple. Right. I know. <laughs> and just once you got started, there was so much there. And I think it just, I was just it's so ambitious. ready
2: to do something big
0: and you did mm-hmm. and was was there ever a time when you had to control your eagerness cuz it's 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 a narrative that unfolds mm-hmm. and it's a very you're a very controlled writer mm-hmm. thank there's you. no rush oh thank you was there ever a sense to rush and then have to go back and oh, no i got to slow that down um.
2: Think so. The other thing is, you know, when you're writing your first book, or for me, I wasn't thinking that actively about the reader, mm-hmm. whether or not that you know the reader would get bored or anything like that. I yeah, was screw very the much, reader. Yeah, you know, in <laughs> the world, and so I liked taking my time because I like I like sentence level beauty, and that was important to me and detail. And,
1: sentence level beauty. I've yeah. never heard that phrase before. That's I like actually, it. It's that's yeah. exactly mm-hmm. what I, that. That's,
2: is. Yeah, so important to me. So. I took There's my time.
1: Le- sentence-level beauty.
2: Yeah.
1: i like, okay.
2: I don't know. Maybe I just made that up. But I, I think I, that's,
1: I, I've, <laughs> I mean, I've never heard that, but that's exactly what it is.
2: Yeah, you know?
1: Yeah. It's like some delicacy. There's artistry mm-hmm. in every word. Sentence-level beauty.
2: Sentence-level beauty.
1: I'm going to steal that. Okay. Thanks.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Sentence-level beauty.
0: I think I just call it pretty words. But sentence-level <laughs> sentence beauty. Me write pretty. <laughs> me write pretty someday. One day. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. And how hard was it for you to decide how frustrating to make the actions of your characters? Mm. Because there were times, all of them. Yeah. Plus, let me just wedge this in here, too. I liked how you made your readers realize toward the end, like, oh, she's turning into her mom. Right. (laughs) Right. Yes. I
2: mean, mother-daughter relationships are so interesting to me. Um,
0: Especially because daughters don't understand when they're young why their mothers are the way they are. Yes.
2: Yes, exactly. And I think that... I wanted the reader to—so I think that Hemi's mother in the beginning, I think even for the reader, seems so ruthless and Mm -hmm. maybe calculating. But by the end, hopefully you'll understand why she had to act that way because it's all about survival Mm -hmm. during the the war, right? Um, Wait, what was your question? I forgot now. Uh
0: If you gave thought to how prickly you could make your—or how frustrating you could make their actions.
2: Right. Well, I think that, you know, perfect characters, perfect people are— are boring, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> yeah. So I wanted them to be really complicated, and I think that I, because I've been writing short stories about these characters for three years, I knew their character very well. I knew their personality. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just, at that point, innately knew what decisions they would make and how they would react. And I also, especially with Hemi, I wanted to write someone who. Is not necessarily a quote-unquote good mother all the time, because the theme of motherhood is what
0: she was an honest mother. Yeah,
2: I think the theme, you know, the way that we portray women and mothers in literature can be can feel flat, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because I think people are either I think they can the women are portrayed either you know so glowingly or so you know negatively, and I wanted her to. We both.
0: But I feel like there's this underlying sense that motherhood is the highest possible calling, and either mm-hmm. you embrace it and are good yeah. or you don't embrace it and are bad. There's not yeah. a whole lot of time for nuance. Yes. And you definitely present the nuance. Thank you. Um, the Gwen character... I'm not even going to try to butcher his
2: name. Someone.
1: Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I know. I didn't, again, when I was writing this book, I didn't think about, you know. The
1: reader and how that, yeah. And, yeah. But that's what makes it so genuine. It's a beautiful way to do it. Yeah. And you just kind of, it becomes a fabric of your reality as you're reading it.
2: Yeah. Come one. I, yeah, um, I didn't realize that would be difficult for people
1: to say.
0: His <laughs> consistency
2: mm-hmm.
0: in Fear and pride, and putting himself in a box or yeah. ca- caging himself, yeah. was so frustrating.
2: <laughs> yes, he's frustrating, right? Because he's so smart, but he and he's good
0: looking, even with the scar.
2: Yes, he's good looking, even with the scar. But he, well, I wanted that consistency of character. But he'd I'm,
0: come right to the edge. Yes, this time he's going to break out. Nope, but he's, he's going to go back into he's the box. Too yeah. yeah,
2: because I, I think I, one thing I wanted to do is explore the way that the Korean War and hunger and violence affect people in different ways. And, mm-hmm. you know, they they all have been impacted by the war, but it, I think it kind of exacerbates different parts of their personalities. Mm-hmm. And Hemi, she's so willful and independent, but she kind of clings to this Korean culture you know in the way she dresses and everything like that as a coping mechanism so
1: a variation of theme like how do we cope yeah yeah and every different every character has a different way of doing it and right it brings out other qualities
2: yes mm-hmm. and i think young one as someone who grew up without a mother and who has always fought for to be seen i think he then kind of copes by trying to trying to just survive and not cause too much trouble that's why i think he like wavers a lot you know in mm-hmm. terms of politically he doesn't have strong feelings about the politics and about the dictator/president because mm. i think he's like always looking for survival and and that means to him not committing to one extreme or the other
0: it's really interesting because it's a quiet story mm-hmm. amidst chaos.
2: Mm-hmm. You know yeah. there's
0: big, loud stuff happening, but the story itself is pretty quiet. So going into your new book, then, are you starting the same way by exploring characters, or did you come into it with an idea?
2: i came I came into it with an idea, and i'm but I'm right now trying to get. I'm trying to get to know the characters at Mm -hmm. this point i'm writing i'm writing it so when i wrote the first and when i wrote if you leave me because i had these short stories to go to Mm -hmm. that kind of went into the novel the novel writing process was a little disorienting because i was trying to fill in some gaps along the way whereas with the second book i'm trying to start from the beginning and write towards the end but I I'm still trying to get to know the characters and their motivations.
0: Did you outline the second one?
2: No, I no. I usually just have a general sense. No of outlines. Where it's gonna go, but I'm not entirely sure.
0: Yeah. Hmm. That is just crazy. Um, and we're about time to start wrapping up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and this will come out. I looked at my calendar here, and it was two weeks from next Tuesday, which is September. Or so two we weeks from last Tuesday. September Ninth? Ninth, yeah.
1: That's about right. right.
0: Sure. So start <laughs> <laughs> if you can if you can look into your tour addled brain right yes. now, do you know where you will be in the coming days after that in case anyone who's listening wants to come see you? No. We'll, uh, we'll pop it up there on Instagram okay, when it yes. shows up.
2: I have a website with events on it.
0: And are you doing any other events like last night where you're with a big group of people?
2: Well, I'm going to be part of the Bookmarks Festival in North Carolina and then the Harrisburg Book Festival. Both of is-
1: us are terrific. I'm that's, so excited. Yeah, that's really neat. Yeah. Are you going to be going there with anybody you know?
2: Uh, I'm going to be in North Carolina with Ingrid, mm-hmm. who has control. Mm. Yeah. And then I'm going to be in Harrisburg with a friend of mine, Lucy Tan who
0: wrote a book called, oh, my God. This, I should know this we two Okay. Yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm, no, that's okay.
1: Like, You're doing I'm great.
2: You're know, doing great. I'm,
0: I'm header addled because a couple times things have come up. Where I'm like, wait, was that Crystal or Lillian?
2: Yeah. <laughs> I
0: forget which one of you loved that right. book. Was right. it you or was it maybe both of right. you? Right. It might have been both of you. And which one of you wrote for four months before outlining? It must have been her. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I guess so. <laughs> 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 it's okay. is okay.
0: good. <laughs> um, can you tell the listeners how to find your website, Twitter, yes. Instagram? So
2: my website is crystalhanakim.com. And then Twitter and Instagram are crystalhanak.
0: k, And that's K-R-Y-S-T-A-L.
2: C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-H-A-N-A-K-I-M. But Instagram and Twitter, you just take out the last two letters.
0: That's right. (laughs) Uh, Lee Daniel Kravitz.
2: Yes.
1: What say you about how you can be reached? Uh, You can always find me uh, at www.leedanielkravitz.com. That's probably the best way. But also uh, Twitter, it's Lee Dan Kravitz.
0: Getting a little informal there. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm trying to. And then uh, Facebook, it's just... It's backslash beating for rabbits.
0: That's it. Uh, as for me, that is that. Larry Rosen on Instagram and Twitter website for my other podcast is Is It Good for the dot com.
1: Hey, can I ask you, is it good for the Jews?
0: What mm-hmm. this in general? Is Not much is good for us right yeah, now. Yeah, so I'm kind of wondering how things are going. It's <laughs> not so great. As for the Grotto Pod itself, you can find us at the TheGrottoPod on Twitter and Instagram. You can email us at grottopod at gmail.com. Uh, don't forget to go to iTunes and subscribe and give us a five-star rating no matter who my co-host is.
1: That's thanks. Weird. Well, I think, you know, this should actually be a five-star five episode. Five-plus star. Episode, absolutely. Yeah, for all five the, stars. All, <laughs> the male, all the male power in the room. That's
0: right. <laughs> um, and thanks to our producers, Lee Kravitz. Yeah, you're welcome. Laurie Ann Doyle <laughs> and Beth Weingarner and our partners, the San Francisco Public Library and Babylon Salon.
1: Fantastic. Mm-hmm.
0: Lee, do you remember how Bridget takes us out at the end of each episode or do you want me to do it? Please what do does it. she always say? She always says, Be like Crystal Hannah Kim and read, write, and just keep working. Mm.